Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Wakaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter yesterday, and the big focus of the macro section was last week's meeting at Jackson Hole, where the chairman of the Fed, Jerome Powell, basically reiterated a more hawkish stance for the Federal Reserve. He said that they'll act forcefully to fight inflation. He mentioned the inflation readings that they've been getting that show some decline in inflation are not enough to demonstrate that it's time to pull back on tightening stance at all. And he mentioned that supply and demand are still clearly out of balance, specifically in the labor market. But in general, the tone of his speech was pretty hawkish. Any thoughts on that, Eric? For me, I was a bit surprised. I was actually away from the monitors. When I came back, I realized like the market was tanking. And then someone randomly called me and asked me, why is the market tanking today? And I was like, it must be something to do with the Fed. <laughs> the Fed, there's, it was Jackson Hole this week. So it must be something he said that must have rattled the markets. But my surprise was they expect him to be pretty hawkish at this moment in time. I do not know what in the speech really ticked off the market, but it seems like markets were really not happy about what he said. Was it perhaps yeah. that they will be paying in the short term as they try and like combat inflation? I think so. I think last week on the podcast, we talked about how there were cross currents and mixed messages throughout the economy, also at the Fed, where you basically were getting different representatives of the Fed talking about having a more hawkish stance. But then you had also gotten minutes that were somewhat dovish in the way that they talked about maybe slowing the pace of rate increases. And I think in Jerome Powell's speech at Jackson Hole, he does talk about how there may be at some point soon the need to slow the pace of increases. But that was like 3% of the speech. And most of the speech was in a much more hawkish tone about us needing to fight inflation here and how important it is to fight inflation. And I think the only really new piece of information was talking about that they're going to hold interest rates here longer. Even if they stop raising, the plan is to hold them through 2023. So he was downplaying the idea of having any sort of rate cuts in 2023, which the importance is not whether or not those rate cuts will happen, but it demonstrates how quickly the Fed will react to signs of lower inflation and then also recession. It makes recession much more likely, and it makes it that a deeper recession could be more likely because the Federal Reserve is not necessarily just going to step in at lower rates at the first sign of recession. So then that makes it much more sense. Any other takeaways from Jackson Hole? There were some really interesting comments, especially on the emerging markets. I think I saw from the IMF director, he was talking about how like the US dollar has been pretty strong and a strong US dollar may be good for the US, but it's actually really bad for emerging markets. I can see it in Kenya. The currency is an all-time highs against the dollar. Lows in the sense, of course, like the, the currency in Kenya is actually weakening. And most across most emerging markets, that's the story. So that means that, especially for countries that have some most of their debt priced in dollars, they're actually having a really rough time. Egypt, I just read this morning that Egypt may actually be on the cusp of a default, which is pretty uh, not normal in emerging markets. Any other takeaways for you? Yeah, I think in the rest of the newsletter, there were a couple of things that I thought were worth pointing out. One was Dollar General talking about higher income consumers starting to trade down to Dollar General. And the point at which they were marking that were people with incomes closer to the $100,000 range, which echoed something that we had heard from Walmart last week as well, that consumers making incomes of about $100,000 are starting to shop at those retailers. 
I think it's really important for a couple of reasons. One, it's showing the expansion of maybe the trade down phenomenon creeping up into higher income brackets besides just the lowest income consumers. But also I think it's a function of showing that with inflation, people who are making $100,000 a year in the United States aren't necessarily feeling particularly wealthy about their spending power. And that's just part of what happens with inflation is that as costs rise, incomes have to rise faster than the costs in order for people to, to feel wealthy. And if incomes are not rising faster than costs, obviously your real income is falling. So it doesn't make it matter if you're making $100,000 a year if the price of gas is $6 a gallon because your purchasing power is going down. Any thoughts on that, or? That's very interesting you say that because there's a meme I think that was going around, uh, I think last week or the week before about you working so hard to get into the middle class and then you reach there and then inflation comes and tells you, hey, you're actually not in the middle class anymore. So the message is clear that inflation is actually impacting a lot of people's spending power. And at the same time, then my, my, a question I have is maybe going forward, especially for people who come into the working force in the last 20 years and so have not experienced these high levels of inflation. I wonder if they started incorporating that in their asks for salaries going forward and you know, because they're seeing the spending power actually reduce in real time and at very high rates at that around 8%, 9% inflation rates, the UK has 10% plus inflation and that is expected to keep going for a couple of years. So I think, I mean, we, if inflation expectations become like anchored in the sense that everyone expects this, then you're going to have to be asking more from your employer, employers in terms of pay rises and all going forward. And that's going to have an impact on the general economy as a whole. Any thoughts on that yourself? Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think it's why Jerome Powell is probably looking at labor market supply and demand balance and thinking that this is an inflationary force on the economy. If you are having trouble keeping up with the cost of living, you're going to ask for larger wages. It's a psychology that just takes hold. And I definitely think if nothing else, we have an inflationary psychology that has come into the markets, into the economy in a way that's totally different than it was two years ago, three years ago, where we still have this deflationary psychology was really the primary burden. And so I think in many ways we had this massive stimulus for the pandemic era that's still working its way through the economy and we're seeing the effects of that now. Yeah. One more thing, perhaps, which is a side note to that is the fact that a few of the pandemic winners are actually having a real struggle now. And they say gaming at NVIDIA, e-commerce struggling post, uh, post-pandemic now. Zoom, actually, and last I checked, is actually trading lower than it was pre-pandemic, just before the pandemic hit. So it's, it looks like a lot of the companies that actually won during the pandemic have actually traced a lot of the earnings that they are at a lot of the progress that they made. People want to be a little bit back in the office than, the, 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 than people expected. So like remote work is not going to be fully remote. It has to be a bit somewhere in the middle of it. So I think a lot of changes. I'm not so sure if you're experiencing the same, but I think since the pandemic winners are actually having a full retrace, a lot, uh, they're retracing back. They're, okay, they're losing some of the wins that they made during the pandemic. Any other quotes that stood out for you? Yeah. One other area is kind of goes to the winners of the pandemic and the post-pandemic era. One of the quotes that I really want to keep a close eye on was from American Airlines talking about how what they're seeing going forward on travel is a return to like a more normal travel pattern from a white hot travel pattern that they've been seeing. This is one ever since I think we had an issue that was talking about the floodgates of the economy opening post-COVID. Really, ever since people started getting vaccinated, in the summer of 2021, travel has been extremely hot part of the economy. 
it's been really robust. If you try and travel in the U.S., ticket prices are three times higher than they were before the pandemic. So it's very expensive to travel. Flights are full. And if we have any return, more normal travel circumstances, this is another uh, kind of potential negative catalyst. This is something that we should be on the lookout for as investors is because this has been a really strong trend for the last 18 months. It could be changing. Yeah. And of course we noted in the second half of the year, uh, the first half of the year and the Q2, especially airlines posted one of the, some of the record in terms of earnings and results for that quarter. So if this continues, you definitely expect them also to lose some of these, like to retrace back to normal where they were before the pandemic also. So I think that's, I agree. That's a very key catalyst to, to also pay attention to. And perhaps something else that was really small that to note also is a trend that has continued in the past few weeks is also commodity. They're going down a bit. Uh, there was some quotes that talked about uh, corn and, and soy prices going back a bit, but they're still at high levels, but there is tracing. Uh, and I think the same with freight rates. They're going down, even though they're still at high levels. So I think it may be that may impact inflation a bit going forward. Not significantly, but maybe worth noting. Yeah, definitely. And I think the quote on the agricultural side that we had in there is a really important one from John Deere. It's just an interesting dynamic to point out because John Deere was actually talking about farm profits in the United States primarily being pretty, pretty robust this year. And it's just an interesting function of, in this case, where you have food prices that are being elevated by war in Ukraine. If you are in the United States where you can still have the exact same yields on your farmland because you're not being impacted by war, mm -hmm. it's an area where you can have a source of excess profit in a commodity space. And so John Deere's revenues are driven by excess profits on far at farms because farmers, when they feel wealthier, are able to replace equipment that's been maybe depreciated. And so that was an interesting dynamic to, to keep in mind as well and a potential catalyst that I'm thinking about whether or not there's something investable there. I agree also. So perhaps in closing, we talk a little bit about some models, many in America, and some quotes that I thought were interesting enough. So I think for our, read, for our listeners, uh, we are welcoming you to join us in a journey of reading books once in a while and posting some of the quotes that we we do, we've been thinking of doing this for a while, but I think it's time we actually got started, Scott. So I think with some Walton's Made in America was a good, uh, it was a, it was, what was the first book that we suggested a while back, that was around like six months ago. So we are getting around to reading it. I think one key takeaway for me was how many few believe, uh, how few believers that he had at the very beginning when he was implementing the idea of Walmart. But he talks of nobody wanted to gamble on the first Walmart. He had to put up 95% of the dollars. So I think he had to, he had to place the bet on himself starting. I think that's a good quote to take away, especially for entrepreneurs and investors. So I think at the end of the day, you may find like a lot of people may not believe in you, but I think it's good to take the first bet and place it on yourself. I think that was a key takeaway for me this week from that book. Any thoughts on that yourself before you close? I don't think I have any additional thoughts on that. I think this is a good place to close. All right. Let's close on that. So thank you for joining us this week. On Wednesday this week, after markets close, we have our Twitter spaces. I will be discussing Q2 results and the key takeaways that we got from earnings calls. We'll be joined by Sam Rowe and Alex Morris. So if you have any questions, send them to us. I mean, at the transcript at theweeklytranscript.com. And you'll definitely be able to check them during the spaces. I will include a link to the spaces in this, in the transcript for this, this week's podcast. So thank you for joining us and see you on Wednesday and then next week.